Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hickson-Zerker Capital Management, and I was just singing in the car on my way back here, so my voice is a little rough today. Vince Gill, like he's got belting very, it out or what? He's got very you high, your voice over singing in the car. He's got a very high voice, okay. so I was screaming I gotcha. in the car. So yes, and you are... I am Josh Robb, Director of Wealth Management at Hickson-Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how could people help us with our podcast? Well, we'd love it if you would subscribe to Vince Gill on Apple Music. Okay. No actually subscribe to this podcast if you're not subscribed to it already that way you get new episodes when they drop every single thursday and if you would love to get a special email you can join our email list by signing up on our website and that would send you an email every thursday when the episode comes out with a link to listen to it as well as some show notes already talking about what we are going to be discussing so today we are going to be talking about something that i have mixed feelings on you do too yep and that is cash. Cash, cash, cash. Cash, cash yep. is king. Cash, cash. Money on my mind. Money on my mind, mind. On my money. Yeah. Cash, Josh. Yes. We're talking about cash, and there's three questions, Austin. Three. What do you got? Well, is it a good idea to be holding cash right now with the volatility in the market? Yep. Is there such thing as too much cash? Okay. And if I did have cash, where am I going to put it? Okay. So let's start with the first one. All right. Is holding cash a good idea when markets are volatile? It so, depends. You love that answer. Somebody must have taught that to you. I know. Wise guy. So the answer is yes. If markets are on their way down, stock markets, bonds, doesn't matter. They're all down now. Holding cash avoids that because cash is, you know, if I have a dollar bill, the dollar bill is still a dollar bill. When I look at it, the one doesn't change to anything else. Even though it only buys. Well, we're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get there. But ideally, if you knew exactly the top of the market, you go to cash. Yep. The bottom of the market, you go back in and you avoid that in-between drawdown. I mean, that's that's, that's huge. That's yeah. investing right there. But no one knows that and no one can do that perfectly. And um, if someone says they can run, yeah. and don't listen to maybe them. Maybe they can periodically get it right or get it close. But over the long run, historically speaking, that actually hurts performance instead of enhances it by trying to get in and out yep. to avoid volatility. So to answer your question, should you have cash during market volatility? The answer is yes. Now we're going to get to your other question is how much cash? But the first thing is, well, there's different types of cash. And we've talked about this. So we're going to link in our show notes, but an emergency fund, which is in some form or another cash because you need it available in an emergency. So you do not want that in the stock market where in a year like this, 20% of your emergency fund would have disappeared. Yeah, That's not good. You need those type of things in cash. So should you have cash? Yeah. You and that have, might not... You should always have cash. Again, we're going to get to this later, but that might not be physical $100 bills. Right. Yeah. So that is cash. So yep. do people need cash? Yes. They need some form of cash. Liquid assets not yes. declining in value. Yes. You need what? Three to six months of living expense. Yep. That's what the normal kind of emergency fund is. Now, there's always caveats. Listen to our show on that. We talked through that quite a bit. But high level, if you're experiencing higher than normal demands on your cash flow. So maybe there's a wedding coming up or college costs, home purchase. Maybe you're getting ready for retirement. There may be a reason to have more cash. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in general, three to six months is kind of the normal emergency fund. That should always be cash. And that cash should be available in some way or another. But holding cash above and beyond that can and will hinder your long-term performance. Well, Josh, why is that? Because cash does not grow. No, it really doesn't. You have interest. Yeah. But, and this is the big thing, you alluded to this, 
it historically has not grown at the same rate that inflation is. Yeah. Inflation is the cost of all your goods going up. So inflation, we're talking about it because we have high inflation right right now. now. Inflation is not a bad thing. No. Inflation is a normal byproduct of a growing economy. So some inflation is good. Right. And it's actually inevitable. I mean, you, you will have inflation if your economy is growing. So if here in the United States, our United States as a whole grows, and we use the GDP for that, yep. gross domestic product, that's a way of measuring the growth. But if we're growing as a nation, in general, that means that as things get bigger, there's more demand, supply demand, prices change. Yep. That's normal. Inflation is just describing that adjustment over time. Yeah. And a normal inflation range is similar to a normal economic growth yeah. size. So two, think three, two to three percent yeah, over a four, long period. Yep. Two, three, but four. Definitely you know, not eight or nine no. like we're seeing right now. Yeah. The long term average is about three and a half percent if you look, you know, for the United States. And so, like you said, that's it. Now, if you look historically about cash, cash does not grow three and a half percent on average. No. Especially we're talking extremely liquid variation of cash. What that means is the more you hold cash or the more cash you hold, the less you're keeping up with that inflation, yep. which means the less your money will be able to purchase in future years. That's called purchasing power. That's the term for that, meaning how much how much can I get for my dollar now? How much will I get for my dollar in the future? Right. And you want that purchasing power to stay at 100%, meaning I could buy the same amount in future that I can today. It sounds like that. Yes, but the reality is that it's unlikely no. to happen. Well, the goal is to have your purchasing power yes. keep up yes, with inflation. That's, and that's why we're going to talk yep. about what to do with your yep. money. But, and cash does not, unfortunately. Cash does not. Yeah. So you may say, well, I had $1,000 in the bank at the start of this year, and I avoided all this market. I still have $1,000 in my bank. Well, if we have 8% inflation, your $1,000 still does not buy $1,000 worth of stuff. That's right. And so that's the loss that you don't see, but you experience. So that's the first piece. Now, I mentioned if you could time it, that'd be great. (laughs) And I also mentioned it's really hard to do. Oh, yeah. Tony Hickson here at our firm, and we had him on talking about his book a while back. Yeah. Check out that podcast. But he wrote a blog, and it just came out on the 30th. Of September. Yes. Check it out. But in there, he talks about missing out on the market during downturns. Yeah. So this is an example of if you were to be holding cash when you should be holding stocks, Mm -hmm. and you're missing out on specifically the best days in the market, right? Yes. What's interesting to talk about first is that the best days usually happen around the worst days of a market. So Mm -hmm. in the midst of a market sell-off, as we've experienced in 2022, Mm. we've had some pretty darn good days in the middle of all this. You may be down 4% one day, but you might be up 3% the next, and that's a really strong day overall. So missing the up days is actually a very, very poor thing to do. So the statistics that he talked about in this blog is, first of all, this is crazy. We have had over 17,500 trading days since 1950. That's a lot of ticker tape. That's a lot of ticker tape. So if you miss out on just the 10 best days, Mm -hmm. that's unfortunate. Then we're going to talk about some statistics around that. An investor who invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 in 1950 would have gained 7.9% annualized, and his portfolio would be worth $2.3 million today. Oh, wow. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, seems good. That's if they remained fully invested. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if you miss out the 10 best days, so take out 10 days off of that 17,500, yep. that's not that many, right? No, 17,490 <laughs> trading days. Yeah, your your annualized return would go down to 6.7% and your ending portfolio value would be $1.1 million. So, so less than half, half. Half of your for 10 ending days. value. Yeah, mm. over a 10 days. So you miss 15 days. Oh, take boy. out five more. Yeah. 
down to a 6.2% annualized return, just $800,000. Wow. What does that mean? That means in your investment portfolio, aside from looking at overall asset allocation with your financial advisor, in that case, for certain needs, cash can be useful. But when you're talking about specifically stocks, not holding stocks that you need in the long term right now is going to be very, very painful for you if you miss those updates. Yep. That's why, especially right now, when things are down 25 more percent, selling when things are down and going to cash, it's not going to help you. Nope. In fact, you have more of a risk of missing some of those good updates than you do long-term right. per- missing some of the down. So hold is kind yes. of the key there. That's true. So, Josh, yes, I I have a couple dad jokes for you. Oh, boy. Dad couple. jokes of the week, and you're going to pick up on a theme here. Okay. You're going to know I'm exactly ready. what that okay. theme is. Okay. What is brown and has a head and tail, but no legs? Ooh, a dirty coin. Yeah, penny. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good, good. When does it rain money? Ooh, I don't know. When there's change in the weather. Change in the weather. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, that's funny. Where does a penguin keep its money? Oh, I don't know. where. Snowbank. Snowbank. Yep, classic. How do dinosaurs pay their bills? Ooh, how do they? With Tyrannosaurus checks. Checks. <laughs> Who writes a check now? And where can you always find money? The riverbank? Ah, oh, that's a good one. I was going to say in the dictionary. Oh, yeah, that's true there. Yeah? yeah. So those are and some the, pretty the, good... Money's always in What's the, the yeah. theme? Money. Money. Cash. Cash. Yeah. I like it. Those so anyway, are those are okay. some dead jokes, multiple that's right. of the week. So the question number so two... The, that the we first question to. was... Is holding cash a good idea when the market's volatile? The answer is yes, it's a good idea. but the, If you can time it. But the, <laughs> the caveat is no one can successfully yeah. do that. So then the answer becomes no, because the risk of missing those good updates to recover the days that you were down are needed or else you're going to have a long-term... Right. Uh, yeah, I guess my general, my general advice about that would be if you have a need for any cash, have it in cash mm-hmm. in the short term. Within a couple years. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, don't worry about the day-to-day volatility of your yep. of your portfolio. So, yep. next question is: Is there such a thing as too much cash? Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, I like yeah. that one. So, Josh, so we kind of hit on this. The short answer is yes, because if you have too much cash, not enough of your portfolio is going to be beating inflation. Right? If you see your portfolio drop, your cash stays the same, but that purchasing power goes away. And we we kind of hit on that. Now, we do something where seasonally. Based on where you're at in your life, sometimes more cash is needed. The question is, is there such a thing as too much cash? Really depends on what's going on in your life. If you're a 20-something person who is in a stable job and isn't planning on any major purchases, not a lot of cash is needed. Three to six months, happy, call it a day. If you're a 65-year-old who's right about to retire... Ideally, a little more cash is helpful mm-hmm. because of these volatility things. So what, one of the things we do is we do what we call a bear market fund. And so we create a fund where about two to three years of your living expenses, not your income, but your living expenses, are put in a very conservative investment. Could be cash, could be fixed income, could be a combination of stuff. Mm-hmm. Something that is trying to avoid the stock market volatility. And that is there so that as you transition from working in an income to drawing off your portfolio, this allows you to utilize the benefit of that timing. Because again, you don't know how to perfectly time it. But if we say 
two to three years, that should give us enough of a cushion to avoid any major volatility. Yep. That allows you a little more peace of mind as you enter retirement. And so we actually did some research and two to three years ends up being kind of the most optimal time frame. Anything more than that, you actually do start hurting your long-term success of your retirement plan because too much of it is in cash. Too much of it is missing out on the opportunity to be inflation. And so that's just something to think about is, is there such a thing as too much cash? Yes. And that answer becomes when it's more than what you're going to need for your short term, and it's starting to impact your long-term results of your investments. Another explanation of that two to three year window is, historically speaking, yes. that is the time that it has taken to recover from equity bear markets. Yes. If you are primarily invested in stock, which is what we would say you should be to mm-hmm. grow over time, yep. you you don't necessarily want to be pulling when stocks are down, pulling cash yep. out. So if you then, at a certain point, when you work with your advisor to set it up, you start pulling from a more liquid bear market fund sort of idea when stocks are down, we'll keep pulling out of that fund until equity markets are back up. And then you can start taking off of those again. When equity markets back up, you can start refilling your bear market fund. And then you just kind of keep working in that cycle. So you're not really draining your stocks when they're beat up. Yep. And actually, historically, if we're just talking retirement, after that first drawdown, it's even less needed, a bear market fund for the success of your retirement plan. Right. It's that early risk of volatility that we're most preparing for. But a lot of them will refill because it is a nice peace of mind to say, hey, I don't have to touch my portfolio if it's down. I have money sitting off ready to go. So is there such a thing as too much cash, Austin? Yes, there is. Yes. And there's not a number and there's not a percent. It's different for everyone. Unlike where we have an emergency fund where we say three to six months, there's kind of a value you can assign to it. Yep. The too much cash question really comes down to where you're at. You know, another example is, hey, you know what? I'm renting, but I think I want to buy a home in the next couple of years. Well, extra cash is fine because yeah. you're going to have a down payment. You're going to have some moving expenses. You're going to have all that stuff you're going to do. Yeah. Accumulating excess cash, there's for a purpose and for a reason. There's nothing wrong with that. So, And the stock market would be a very risky place for something yes. like that. Yes. <laughs> we always say less than three years of needs. The stock market is not the place to park that money. Absolutely. So, so the next question, Josh. Yeah. Third and final, yes. number three. Where should I keep my cash? And we joked about this yes. earlier. Because I said, oh, yeah, in a bag in the backyard underground. But no, really, where should you keep your cash? Yeah. So, you know, depending on the need, depends on your accessibility. So emergency fund, like I talked about, it needs liquidity, meaning it's liquid. That term means quickly accessible. I'm able to get at it right away with little to no consequence. And I can access and use it as the need arises. So for emergency funds, you need it very liquid. You need something high yield savings account, regular savings account, you know, somewhere where you can get at it at the expense of interest because yep. the more liquidity, the less interest you're going to get. There's money market accounts too. I mean, those are all the same in a sense as they're all liquid, ready to go. If I have a little more time, so I have cash, probably next two to three years going to buy a home. So I don't need it right away. And there's a little flexibility there. You could look a little bit more of interest bearing and a little less liquid. So something like CDs, you know, treasuries, some sort of laddered approach. And when I talk about a laddered approach, that means if you think a ladder, there's steps or rungs along the way. I'll take CDs as an example. I may buy a six-month CD. And since it's a shorter time frame, I'm going to get a little less interest. And I'll buy a one-year CD. And then I might buy an 18-month CD. So I laddered the times that these mature. But every six months one of those is going to mature. 
And then as that six months matures, I buy another 18 month, which is a higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. And as the 12 year matures, I buy another 18 month. And so I'm constantly buying 18 month CDs, which are a higher interest rate. But every six months, I have a third of that accessible. Yep. That's an option for it. You could do it every month. You could, you know, you could ladder it monthly where you're buying out. And so every month, a 12th of it is available and you're buying out, you know, a year's worth, however you want to ladder it. The idea is a portion is liquid. Yep. At a set time frame, but you're getting a higher interest rate because you're buying a longer term back end of that ladder. Yeah. That works for any type of product that has a time frame to it. So that's an option. But again, what you're giving up is the liquidity of that other piece is not as available yep. throughout that time frame. But if you know, like, again, this is not your emergency fund. This is just money that for whatever reason you need and you don't want it in the market with that volatility, that's a great way to get a little extra yield. And if you look at the two-year treasury is what, 4% right mm-hmm. now, it's half of inflation. Yeah. But I mean, it's at least it's something, right? right? So you know, you could get a little bit of interest off these things if you're laddering those things out, which is actually countertuited to my ladder because right now we have a inverse. We have an inverted yield curve. Yes. And so you actually, the far out you're getting you buy, interest. you're actually getting less. Yeah. So you just buy a bunch of two Under years or Under normal whatever. market circumstances, yeah. Josh, that works out yeah. quite well. So actually what I would do in that case, if someone was really adamant about it, I would buy two years, but every month. So you're still getting the highest interest rate and laddering the liquidity of it, but still locking in the highest interest rate. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Now, if you have a little more flexibility, and we've talked about this in the past, but I-bonds. So an I-bond is a government security that is tracking the inflation number mm-hmm. and um, they pay interest that matches and it adjusts every six months. And yep. so currently it's like 9%. And so it's actually keeping up with inflation. And, That's the whole point of this thing. And you buy it at par. You're buying them at market prices. Yep. Well, you're buying an I-bond at par, yep. which means you then, can't lose yeah. money on an I-bond. Right. You buy it, you'll collect whatever interest, and then when you sell it, you're done. Now, there's some caveats to that. We've talked about in the past, but the first year, cannot sell it. Not at all. So there's no liquidity in the first 12 months. So if you're putting any kind of cash in there, you got to understand that is I cannot get this back out, even if I really, 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 really need it. And then the second one is for a period of time after that, if you do sell it, you give up a portion of that interest back as a penalty for selling it early. But again, if you're looking at interest, that's one of the highest yielding things out there, but there's some caveats to it. Yeah. And I think you can only buy $15,000 a year per person. And you can add a little extra from your tax refund too, which yeah, is I always fun. Yeah, now, right. there are businesses and corporations, LLC, you can do it structured different ways, and I'm not getting and into all that. You have to do that. it through Treasury Direct. You have to buy it directly through them. But again, if we're just talking about what you could do with your cash, if you want to give a little liquidity, that's another option yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. So, first question was you know, where are we going with this? Is there volatility coming up, should we hold more cash? And the answer was no, because we don't know when the good days are going to be versus the bad days. And how much is too much cash? Well, any bit more than you're going to need for your emergency. If you're a young person, anything more than you're going to need for emergency and any upcoming expenses, Yep, that's too much cash. And then where do I keep it? I keep it as close as I need it, but earning as much as I can. Yep. And so I encourage you to shop around, see what is out there if you're looking for yields. But Austin, what are your thoughts on cash? Well, you asked me this in a very challenging environment. I did. did. So the markets in 2022, as I live and breathe this stuff, is it's been rough. Stocks are down 20-some percent. Bonds are down 15%. Worst year of a 60-40 portfolio in history. So it's got me a little bit less anti-cash 
than I usually would be. In this instance, especially for clients nearing or early in retirement, I can totally understand the way that they feel. And I can totally understand thoughts on having cash at hand, which is why I think our our bear market fund thinking is very, very important. I think, again, you have the cash to meet the needs that you're going to be needing. If you're a young person, you know, I don't think this volatility should scare you. It's certainly not fun. Don't think that cash is the answer aside from your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Because over the long term, this is the time to be using cash and putting it to work in the market. And that's the one thing we didn't talk about. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I hear people talk about having dry powder, having excess cash ready to be put in. Yeah. And having done this for a handful of years, I've seen more often that they wait a long time for that opportunity. Yes. And end up, if they would have just invested it, been better off. And so I want to get your thoughts on dry powder or excess cash ready to go yep. and waiting for that opportunity. I think that it is rare that the opportunity works out well enough that you have a clear indicator to acquire some cash through whatever, if that's selling at the top, buying at the bottom. It's very rare that happens the way you should, that it should. So holding on to cash over the long term is in, in waiting for a big pullback sometimes never happens. Mm-hmm. So that would be you trying to time the market. Very hard to do. Yep. Professionals don't do it well. Nope. So what I would say is your best answer is not to try and do that. Not to ha- not to try to have too much dry powder. I would say dollar cost average. Yep. Is what I would say. And if you're dollar cost averaging, you still have a little cash on the side and you get a big dip, it's okay to pull some ahead, put a little extra in, but if you just keep sticking at it monthly or quarterly or whatever, weekly, whatever that looks like for you, you won't have to worry about keeping dry powder. You're not going to try and time it, and you're going to get some excellent purchase prices over time. So I think that most more people have missed out on equity market rallies holding dry powder than have made money buying dips. Yep. That's what I, I would say. Okay. And then I guess as another just kind of thought mm-hmm. on cash is – Personally speaking, one of my favorite tools right now, because I like liquidity and I like yield, is the high-yield online-only savings account. There's a lot of options out there, but right now, those things are yielding north of 2%. Mm -hmm. So you get 2%, and you can access your money whenever you want. That's my favorite thing right now. So that's kind of that's what I use for my own personal emergency fund and stuff. Even at a brokerage firm or whatever or a fidelity a custodian 1.8 you can get yeah almost two on just holding cash in those accounts as well so those are very liquid ways to have cash i like the liquidity options a little bit more than laddering out cds yeah it's a lot of work too it is you gotta when they mature you gotta reinvest them and but what are your thoughts on cash josh so i agree with you on a lot of what you said i think the only time where i see that dry powder becoming an option is if we are in the early stages of a drawdown and you're seeing those signs of kind of deterioration. So like if you look at the beginning of this year when we had the start of the conflict with Russia-Ukraine, we had the inflation been working its way up since September of last year. You could look at someone who maybe just sold their business and say, let's be a little more cautious about going all in. So I, I see that as a opportunistic approach. It's not my default to say, hey, we've had two really good years in the stock market Let's hold the cash until we get a drop because what we saw coming out of 809 is we had a lot more than two years of really good good years that before you got your cash in, you missed out on the growth. And so I I agree with you that in most cases, dollar cost averaging is the best way to spread that out either way. But if you're seeing a downturn, what you can do at that point is you can go with dollar cost averaging down because you're going to then be buying in on that downturn. Or you could say, you know what, here's my point. 
And if it goes lower, then we'll look at getting in, but I'll at least get back in at this point, which is what I would have invested in anyways. And so if you're seeing this volatility, you can do some little kind of nuanced things, but in general, in a normal market cycle where you're just kind of have no clue what's coming because that's normally what it's like. You could just say, hey, that's we know long-term, getting it all in is actually a great choice because the market's Absolutely. up three out of every four years. But yep. if you're uncomfortable, average it in, everybody will be happy. Yep. But in general, like you said, with this volatility and with life happening, I'm more and more in favor of having the higher end of the emergency fund with four kids with the possibility of any one of them hurting themselves at any given time <laughs> and medical bills and, and me yeah. hurting myself at any given uh, time. That's getting uh, more of a realism. Yeah, it's probably yeah. more likely yeah. that happens that I just see sometimes, you know, cash gives you flexibility. It yeah. doesn't force you to make a decision in other investment accounts that you may not want to make. But I'm in the same boat as you is a high yield savings account, money market account, somewhere where you're getting something for parking the money. Yep. And then, you know, just being aware of uh, opportunities. Um, there may be a chance where you have excess. And then if you don't need it, get back to work. Uh, if you do need it, then utilize it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Hopefully you learned a little bit something about cash because yes. you know some people have very strong opinions on both sides of it. And hopefully we were able to give you some of our thoughts on that. So if you had someone you know asking about cash, yeah. please share this episode with them. Or if you have someone that has extra cash... Let us know. Let us know, exactly. Uh, Otherwise, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us. Until next Thursday, have a great week. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.